For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Watch him throw the ball, we gon' pick it off You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trap or Dive Yes sir, welcome back to another Trap or Dive podcast I am your host, Molly Maul, what's going on with you, JB? Uh, let me go ahead and bring in AJ. He just checked in right quick. Hold on. Boom, man. Boom. There we go. Uh, like I said, I'm your host, Marley Maul, man. Uh, AJ is checking in. Uh, Dre is on the way. Uh, let's get the administrator items out of the way before we get into the show. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, man, we definitely appreciate you watching. Um, if you new, you haven't done so yet, man, hit that subscribe button. Um you know, if you haven't done so already, hit that like button. We appreciate that. If you want to switch side, like my man Jerrion, make sure you hit that subscribe, subscribe or follow. I don't know how they do it over there anymore. <laughs> hit that follow button for sure. Stay locked in with Tribe Dive uh, podcast on the Twitch side. Um, and obviously, audio man, uh, give us a, a follow on your favorite platform. Uh, hit that rating and review if you haven't done so. It's free to do so in terms of support, man. We don't charge you nothing. But shout out to Hulk. I seen you last, so I shouted you out the last my last episode too, previewing the Super Bowl. I saw your I saw your donation to the to the game, man, to Trapper Dive, man. We definitely appreciate that. Showing love as you always do, Hulk. So um, yeah, we definitely appreciate that uh and your support. Um, you've been here, you've been one of the, the morning trappers, man. If you know, you know. <laughs> hey, so I see y'all, Jay Tyler. Uh, I see you, Magic. What's going on, Monty? Will Twan, appreciate y'all checking in. AJ, what's going on with you, player? How you feeling, bro? Uh man, just been kind of under the weather, but um at the end of the day, just blessed to see another day. Um took in Super Bowl week last week. Um yeah, you was out there too, wasn't getting, Yeah, ended up getting some type of like what they told me, an upper respiratory infection. So yeah, ended up in the hospital on Friday for a little bit, but yeah, good to go, man. Just got work done, got the employees straight, and just finished off the last Super Bowl, AJ, man. I told you, I way. told you them, I told you keep them stripper toes out of your mouth, bro. And you was gonna nah, be, man. you was gonna be fine, bro. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my cousin, man, she asked me to come meet her fiance for the first time, and not knowing, well, me not knowing, this this fool was sick. So it's like I walk in the spot, I see the COVID test or whatever, 
And I'm like, antennas go off, spider senses are like, man, one of y'all got COVID? She's like, nah, I don't have COVID. Like, everything straight. We went to the Baltimore Ravens game. His mom was concerned. And then when I when he finally came out, it was my first time meeting him. I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? Nice to meet you. He's like, man, I'm doing okay. Just getting over this bug. I said, get the fuck Damn. out of here, bro. <laughs> there it is, bro. <laughs> Yeah, so, is, and look at Jay said you was smoking that hookah, bro. That's what got you. That's that's the real nah. truth. Oh, hold <laughs> on, AJ got that vid. You got the vid? Nah, <laughs> yeah. nah, hell nah. I I was scared. I thought I did. I didn't know what was going on because I just I was literally like just fighting through for the last five days last week. Like just like man, something got to break through. I'm taking all type of meds, like vitamins. Ain't nothing cracking the code. I'm like man, it got to be something. So I just. Like, let me go to the hospital, get checked, something, because I was just feeling like I couldn't even breathe right. But, yeah, it's just an upper respiratory infection. But I'm I'm better now, so I might cough a little here and there during the show. I may not be able to catch the mute button in time. But, yeah, I'm good to go, man. Just glad to be back with you boys and, and, and chop it up. It look like we got a lot to, to talk about. Oh, look, hey, hey, has AJ been on since we hired Dan Quinn? AJ, you've been on here since we, we got nah, nah, we did the show. Uh, it was me and you. We did the duo. Well, you even know what, how you feel? How, how, how does oh, yeah. he feel about Dan Quinn? I thought, I thought yeah. we, I thought we did. Did you? Nah, you we, have, we probably, we, no, nah, you last time, because uh, last week. I watched week, some of the show. I watched some of the show while I was uh, on the plane last week, but I ain't, I ain't get all of it because of the Wi-Fi, but. I thought I thought I had talked about Dan Quinn with y'all already. Uh probably to us. I mean, honestly, bro, it don't hurt to rehash it. You know what I'm saying? So if you if you got your if you got your thoughts on 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 Dan, um, because we I mean we're getting into the assistance today. Um, but if you got your thoughts on Dan, uh shoot, go go for it. Yeah, I mean, I guess when it comes to Dan Quinn, man, I just feel like he's a he's a great guy, great personality. I've had several encounters with him over the time, uh, uh, being that I, I worked with Cam Chancellor back in the day. Um, that was part of the Legion of Boom with the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm familiar with him. Also familiar with Ken Norton Jr. Um, one of my other former clients, Navarro Bowman, played one year with the with the Raiders while Jack Del Rio was a head coach. And Ken Norton was, uh, I want to say he was either defensive coordinator or something alongside like uh, Pagano. So it's some familiar people uh, that I've come across and just like their personality. But with Dan Quinn, man, it's about marriaging those those relationships. Like that's what it really boils down to. Like um, being able to build out a staff, as we've seen, it's a lot of formidable names with heavy resumes or even guys that are younger in the game but they've been accomplished in some aspect, whether it be on a collegiate level or professional level, uh, but they have their credentials intact. In it's not one of those Ron Rivera staffs where it's kind of like people from back in the day, they used to do things in, in 2010 <laughs> and, and then they just didn't work for the next decade. Uh, you got guys that have been in the mix, that have been in the fold, so they know exactly what's going on, whether it be on a collegiate level or the professional ranks. Uh, they just added another guy who was a dog at Florida, still young, like 32, 33, Sharif Floyd. Uh, he's going to be a part of the D-line uh, group. Um, he was a first-round pick for the Vikings back mm -hmm. in the day and with the with the Cowboys. There's still a possibility that Al Harris could join the staff. 
um, now that the hire is official with Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is a big defensive backs guy, so he might want to bring in one of his guys. Um, I checked in on that before we started the show. Um, yeah, like I said, when it comes to Dan Quinn, man, at the end of the day, you want someone that's a great personality, knows how to marriage relationships and, and build and cultivate staffs. If you look at his Falcon staff, he had Raheem Morris over there, Mike McDaniels, who's now the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. He brought in Kyle Shanahan after his tenureship with the Cleveland Browns that wasn't successful, but a lot of people don't don't focus on that. So I feel like Dan has a great, a great eye for talent. Uh, Jeff Olbrick, he's a defensive coordinator for the New York Jets. He was on his staff. So those are the main things that you kind of want out of your head coach. Um, what is interesting to me is I thought that he would still try to call the plays defensively here. He's now passed that over to Joe Witt Jr., uh, who was with him in, in Dallas. Um, as I told you guys privately, I've, I've reached out trying to get, you know, some of these individuals on the show to, you know, kind of speak on Joe Witt. But I trust their opinions, and they they also have the credentials of, of you know, being formidable within the NFL. They vouch for, for Joe Witt Jr., and how he works and how he teaches uh, kind of said he's a hard ass, which kind of, I was just about me... to ask you. Cause like, I remember, I forgot what it is that, that you had said, but you, you literally just brought up like that conversation that we had with <laughs> <laughs> the offensive side of the football and, and the previous offensive coordinator um, yeah. and, and the coaching style that Joe Witt brings based on what you understood. Yeah. From, from what I understood, everything that was being told to me, um, from from guys that I trust and guys that I, I know that have done it to a high level in the NFL, like one of them being a Heisman Trophy winner and defensive player of the year in the NFL, um, they kind of described him as being kind of like Eric Bieniemy in a sense. Just he's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, this is his first time to really uh, call the shots as a D coordinator but he's been prepared for this opportunity, been, you know, excited for this. Uh, he's very close friends with Ryan Clark. Um, you know, there's a lot of relationships there that that all make sense. So that'd be interesting how the defense takes to it. But, you know, they're bringing on guys that onto the staff that also have a D coordinator background and Ken Norton, uh, Pagano. Um, we'll see how the rest of the, the, the stuff fills out. The interesting thing is they kept Kerrigan. He's the pass rush coach, which we know during his tenure with Washington, he just pretty much bull rush. So I don't, so I, I don't I know what the, technique. <laughs> I, I said one. I said that too, and then I I swear, like I I think it's a bias in in our head that does that, which is cool. But but I think when you kind of like expand further into the roles of teaching, um, I think even like coaches who never played before, right? Like how are they going to teach you about the pass rush move, or how are they going to teach you about a, a blocking scheme and things like that? but they still good enough to do it. And so like, I gotta, me, I gotta like get out of my bias. Cause I know like Ryan, Ryan had one move that worked. <laughs> like he had some changeups, I mean, but you barely got into the changeups, but it, that's kind of my, my process is like, I know he has some teaching points where it's like, he's seen a thousand things on tape that he may not have been able to do, but he may be able to see <laughs> it in this, in this player that Washington has. So I'm gonna make sure I get this out of him. And that's kind of how yeah, I, I mean, try to rationalize it. That's it. I mean, that's that's challenging too. But you're seeing a lot of former players, such as Ryan. Um, you know, even Navarro just got his his position yeah. with oh, with the official? Chargers. Yeah, uh, okay. it's official with that. 
Um, but I mean, a lot of teams are hiring these pass rush specialist coaches that a lot of these guys work with in the offseason. There's a guy by the name of Brian Jordan who was one of the top guys in the marketplace. Like if you're an agent or you're a player, you're really trying to get your your pass rushers with him. Uh, work with Von Miller. Um, pretty much anything Von Miller did, like pass rush summit, it was Brian Jordan and then Chuck Smith. So Chuck Smith is now running uh, pass rush specialist with the Baltimore Ravens. Brian Jordan ended up going to Michigan State when everything happened with Mel Tucker. He now works for the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know what's going to happen uh, there now with Mike McDonald uh, taking over. But, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how, you know, all these personalities mess together. I just feel like I listened to that um, Chick Hernandez interview with with uh, Josh Harris, and it just get, it gave me a vibe that they didn't understand how long of a process or how things were actually going to work with this hiring thing as far as like in comparison to the NHL and NBA. Um, and I feel like they dropped the ball. Not, I don't want to say they dropped the ball on not being able to secure uh, Ben Johnson, but I don't think that the number one and two guy on their list after the interviews was Dan Quinn. It's just the way that the cards played out. And it was probably between Mike McDonald and Raheem Morris. But unfortunately, how everything played out, you know, I, I guess I'll probably say they settled in a sense. That was the person with the greatest relationships left on the table. Um, so let me that, ask. Let me ask. That's the one interesting part about the Dan Quinn hire. I feel like if they had to hire another coach, let's say three, four years down the road, you will not see that shit take this long. Like you will not see them interview as many candidates as they did with. This it, it was just way too like. Well, AJ, their process was just started out. earlier too. Next, if, if the next time around, assuming that Adam Peters is here, that process starts a lot earlier than it did. I mean, obviously they it was a different process this time. I mean, they had to hire the GM first, you know, so you had to get your GM candidate in. So he wasn't around to kind of gauge head coaching candidates or use his relationships to say, hey, this is what we're going to do or this is the plan. Like, literally, they were starting from ground zero, whereas other teams, they were, you know, just kind of looking for a head coach. I know some teams, I think the Chargers were looking for a GM. But in our situation, we had a new owner who had never been through any of this before. He just got his GM. And then he had to come in and just kind of, I guess, pick up where the search committee team had left off. So, you know, I, I think that's what the process was. I also kind of disagree on the settling because – from everything we've heard, Dan Quinn was at the top of their list from day one. I mean, fans didn't want to hear it. That was the whole thing. Fans did not want to hear it. Every time Dan Quinn's name came up, fans groaned. Oh, no, that can't be true. I hope it's not true. It's Ben Johnson. It's Mike McDonald. Whatever. <laughs> but, no, I mean, so that's what I said. Dan Quinn's name was always talked about. And fans were getting mad when they heard that his interviews were going well. Like, they had been saying his interviews have been going well from day one. But I but I think, I think the thing with Dan Quinn – his interviews are always going to go well, right? Because he's a people's person and he was always going to be a top candidate, but I don't think he was one or two. Like he was, he was in the top three, you feel me? But I think that they had more interest in like the Mike McDonald's and the Raheem Morris and even how like that played out, like him pretty much saying Raheem telling them like, I can't wait any longer. I now have this opportunity with a job offer with the Falcons, and if you guys aren't prepared to proceed with me, I got to go take that. You feel me? 
So it's like if Dan Quinn, in my opinion, if he was truly like their number one guy, they could have did that a couple weeks ago. Like I understand that they want to sit down with everybody, but at some point, even off of the Zoom meetings with guys that were still in the playoffs, you kind of got a a feel of how this is going to look, how it's going to feel, how that rapport is. But either way, you know, they made their hire. I'm not opposed to Dan Quinn. I feel like out of the the bunch that was remaining available to hire, he was the best guy available for the job. The only pushback that I have per se so far, and we'll get into that as we'll we'll focus on the assistance, is the Cliff Kingsbury hire. That's that's my only pushback so far. I'm so curious about that. <laughs> oh, let's see. Uh, let's see about this. Uh... Compare this one comparison. I have a question for you. Or we don't have to make it more of a. We don't have to make it a long term conversation. But uh, based on what we know now, <laughs> with Dan Quinn as your head coach, Cliff Kingsbury as your offensive coordinator, uh, 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 why did I just draw Joe Witt Jr. as your defensive coordinator, right? And then all the assistants under both of those guys to this point. Would you, if you had an option, stand pat with Dan Quinn and his current coaching staff that you are currently aware of, or would you have still risked if you were one? And, and I'm asking really us, but I'm also asking everybody in the chat, um, Twitter, uh, Twitch, uh, Facebook. I can see all of your comments. You let us know. Would you take the gamble with Ben Johnson, the offensive guru and whoever his staff would have been, or even Ben, uh, 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 Mike McDonald and what his staff could have been, or would you stay pat with what you know now and Dan Quinn and the staff that he has brought in to Washington? Um, And I think that's important because, Think about what the offensive coordinator would have been for Ben Johnson. And that was a big conversation here when we when we had uh, Glo- Glover Quinn on. <laughs> or we we got to get that right, bro. <laughs> we got to, Glo- bro. Glover Quinn Jr. There it is. Okay, Glover. that's what I thought. There it is. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I said Glover too, for sure. Drake had me saying Glover, bro. That's his fault. No, you said um, Glover, bro. <laughs> hey, but like, all right, so what we going to do? Like, we stand pat. With, with Dan Quinn and his staff, or are we taking that gamble and still going for that offensive guru or that young uh, defensive guru and Mike McDonald? What are we doing? I mean, I would stay, I would stay, I would stay in pat with Quinn. You know, like I said, the one objection I kind of, you know, kind of feel on the fence about is the Cliff Kingsbury thing, and we'll get more in depth with that. But my, my biggest concern and what I've always heard in regards to Ben Johnson was his inability to build out a staff that an ownership group could feel comfortable with. I tweeted about that publicly, um, got backlash from fans, <laughs> which was funny. But at the end of the day, like, those are important qualities. And, I mean, if Dan is going to take a step back, DQ, he's going to take a step back and manage all of these personalities and manage the team and oversee everything, it, it makes you feel even more comfortable because he'll be able to be – hands-on with each element of the football team but there's no way in hell that I if I were the owner would be comfortable with 
hearing rumblings that Hank Fraley, your offensive line coach, is mm-hmm. possibly going to be your OC. It's like, damn, what what else is going to be a part of this staff? Like, I'm cool with what Dan Quinn has done so far. Uh, like I said, he's brought in guys with experience. Um, he's also brought in guys with youth on their side and kept guys with youth like the Pritchards of the world. You bring in a Brian Johnson who has played quarterback at Utah, been a top guy in the NCAA in the past. Um, also has worked with Jalen Hurts and just recently came off his tenureship as OC with the Eagles, you know, to go si- go alongside Kingsbury and, and what he has in touch. Like just being able to get a good feel of the youth of this team, but you still also have elder statesmen that, you know, have been there, done that. So it's a good blend uh, staff-wise so far. And for me, no, I'm I'm actually going with Quinn as well, knowing what I know now. Um, and not even just because of Ben Johnson and the prospect of whatever he could have done with his staff, but you're kind of seeing that with Mike McDonald and the Seahawks. I mean, he was another candidate. He was hired late. He was actually hired right before we hired Dan Quinn, and he's still having a hard time filling his staff out. And that's probably because he is a first time guy from college too, bro. That's yeah, crazy. He, he doesn't have many relationships right now. He's pretty much only been in Baltimore as far as the NFL ranks. And Baltimore guys, their their staff is staying intact. So who are you kind of bringing with you? And you got to kind of think of that with Ben Johnson as well. Like, who are your relationships with? Who are you going to be able to build a staff? I mean, not even just saying, all right we're going to build this staff of all-star coaches or whatever, but who are you going to bring it at all right now? Because it seems like you're going to struggle with that because Mike McDonald's showing you that. And we're, we probably would have been going through the same thing with Ben Johnson. So that's the risk you run. So knowing, knowing what we know about Quinn now, I mean, I knew that Quinn was well-liked. I knew that, you know, Quinn had a good reputation outside of what he did in Atlanta. Like people, you know, really respected Quinn, but I didn't know his ability to draw into guys as quickly as he draws in. I mean, we kind of got to know him a bit in a, we, we kind of got to know him a bit in a press conference. So we got to kind of see, some of that personality on top of what we've been hearing about him and now we're seeing people follow him and and the great thing about this is and i know fans are gonna we're gonna get more into the position coaches but i know fans are grumbling about some of them they like some of them but the point of the matter is these names he's bringing in they're they're from all different types of backgrounds as aj said earlier it's not like the ron rivera buddy hire system you got to figure you know regardless of what what you think about a guy it's you know what he did at a previous stop that they are they are hiring guys that are impressing them, and that's what I want. That's what I I want you to be impressed by the guys that you're bringing in. Versus, hey, I can have a laugh with this guy, or I trust this guy. I know him from this place. He's going to do this. No, they're they're bringing in people that are saying, hey, they must be bringing something to the table. They must be aligning with the vision, whatever they're trying to accomplish. But they, they're coming from different backgrounds. Like I said, a lot of these guys, they don't have working relationships with, you know, the Cliff Kingsbury. And I love what, like I said, Dan Quinn has said about Cliff Kingsbury before. He said, that guy's office gave me trouble when I had the game plan against him. And I said, if I ever have a chance, I would love to bring him as my offensive coordinator. That's the type of stuff you like to see from a head coach. I mean, he's he's not coming in with an ego. He's bringing in guys that can challenge him. He's bringing in guys that he respects as a competitor. So, I mean, you're seeing that. And, and that, to me, I mean, that's winning me. You know, whatever I thought about Dan Quinn when he got hired, whether, you know, he was going to be a failure because he was a retread or he didn't do well here, you know, whatever the case may be, he's winning me over seeing the people that he's bringing in because I'm saying these people respect him and also the way he's bringing them in, they are impressing him and they are aligning with the rest of the staff. So, yeah, give me the Dan Quinn over the mystery of what a Ben Johnson could have provided. 
Ben Johnson and McDonald. Honestly, and and y'all know like Raheem was my number one, but I'm not even sure how confident I would I would be like at with with the advantage of seeing seeing what what has occurred to this point. I don't know like to what degree Raheem would be able to match what Dan got, and and I think from a standpoint of just looking at the staff, because uh, I don't want to reiterate everything you all said because I agree. Like I'm 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 staying pat with with Dan Quinn. Um, I, I don't, the, the biggest thing is just understanding uh, you have veterans in important places, right? You have people with the experience that AJ highlighted initially, right? And I think when you have experience, but you have people who are all competitors within their own right, like that's these guys pedigree. And, and I think that's the most important thing. Like they're in here to win. They're not in here to, like be cordial with the head coach or like just be uh, uh just float throughout their entire tenure here right they're they're here to work and they're here to win um and i think that's important i mean not to say that previous coaches weren't in here to win i think that's kind of a little disrespectful i didn't mean it in that way but just in a standpoint of like ron got these guys here because he was comfortable with them like dan got people in that he probably had relationships with but that don't mean that you know he fully uh like it was it was like they were always going to like kneel to him or or have like uh he was going to have total power over them like by nature of his position position as head coach you know he has a lot of he's like at, at a hierarchy standpoint but like that's not what he's in here for like he's in here to collaborate but also like the ultimate goal is winning and i think he's understanding that by how he's building out his staff um so with that sense i stay with dan um, and I don't blink twice. I don't think twice about it. Uh, so let's get into this one part of the conversation. Uh, Dre, who do you think is the most um, important, or excuse me, the 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 one that stands out the most, the the, the position coach or assistant that stands out the most under Dan Quinn's uh, staff, current staff to this point? I'm not going to go with the obvious one yet because I'm, I'm pretty sure you all probably will bring that up. But the tight end coach they hired today, David Rea, could be pronouncing his name wrong, but I mean, um, it stands out to me from the standpoint that he was with Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech for one year. Then he uh, he was with him as the wide receivers coach in Arizona for two years. And Cliff Kingsbury actually fired him after the 2020 season. I don't know what the disconnect was between him and David Rea at the time. I know this that was the first year that they had DeAndre Hopkins on their uh, roster. DeAndre Hopkins actually had a, I think he was second team all pro that year. He had a really good year, but I think from what I heard and a couple of things I was able to check in on, there was some kind of disconnect on how they wanted to use DeAndre Hopkins. And I don't know if that disconnects them from Cliff Kingsbury and uh, David Rea or where it came from, but that was one of the things that was kind of floating around as to why he went off. And then he left that stop. He went to Vanderbilt for a year and he actually went to Vanderbilt to be the offensive coordinator and the wide receivers coach. He got demoted as the play caller after one week of practice to Vanderbilt. So he they took away offensive coordinator and just made him be wide receivers coach. And I think he probably does that pretty well. Maybe that's his thing. But then you see Cliff Kingsbury is able to get him back. He brings him back as the tight ends coach here, not the wide receivers coach. So you got to figure maybe he feels like this guy will be a better fit. And I just wonder how he's going to mesh. Even and, and that's the thing. The tight end position has been a bit of an issue for us over the last couple of years. It's been a weakness. And it's not because of a position coach. <laughs> we just haven't had, you know, pretty much the talent or whatever the personnel at that spot. But 
you know, that's one of the things, that's one of the positions we want to see grow forward, especially in an air raid offense. If that's the offense, they're going to run with Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, it's the offense he knows, but the tight end is going to be pretty important, especially like a downfield target, a guy that's going to be like extra receiver on the field. So that, that hire kind of stands out to me to see how he'll foster the development of future tight end prospects that we're going to bring in. So I'm looking at him because like I said, him and Cliff had a pass before, whereas he's got fired before. And now what does he see that's going to make it work? Yeah. Dre, hold on. This you said this man was the OC for one the week Vanderbilt. and then got fired or got no, not demoted? fired. He got demoted. He got demoted after the first week of spring practice with Vanderbilt. They took away his play calling duties and just said, Nope, you're gonna coach wide receivers. That's it. One week, not even a whole goddamn spring. <laughs> they they took it away after one week. That's crazy. I ain't never heard of that. I mean, yeah, I never heard of that either. Pretty, that was at Vanderbilt, right? <laughs> that was at Vanderbilt 2021. I mean, they're pretty bad at football, but that is hella weird. Like, <laughs> I don't know, buddy. I don't know, dude, but I can't imagine me getting an OC job and I ain't even get to finish spring practice, spring ball. It, it, it was his first OC job. Yeah, it was his first OC job too. So I'm assuming he must have thought, "Hey, this will be a bigger possibility for me," because he's only a, he had, he had only been a position coach, mind you. He's a former quarterback too. So you know, this kind of goes back to what you were talking about with Ryan Kerrigan and his one move. And is he is he going to be able to teach it? But this guy played quarterback, and he's pretty much moved all around as a position coach. He's coached offensive line. He's coached wide receivers. So I guess he was looking at this OC moment as, "All right, this is my chance," and he got it stripped away after one week. But honestly, though, I don't know if you all have got a chance to listen to him but i kind of listened to him talking he doesn't seem like the biggest or the sharpest communicator so i don't know if that's an issue when it comes to the oc <laughs> position but he's just somebody that stands out to me at the tight end coach yeah that's that's, that's interesting but i don't i don't know i don't know much about the guy um i would say for me i'm still kind of stuck on this kingsbury thing um it's just even today I was watching uh, the pivot and their guest was Antonio Pierce. And he even touched on the fact like, you know, I thought I had my OC and here you go. Magic Johnson, you know, was able to still dish out an assist and, and pull him away. So he confirmed it on the pivot episode today in regards to what happened with Cliff. So, it just becomes even more intriguing. You know, we talk privately like the guys, uh, a lot of the guys that they hire have played quarterback in the past on a collegiate level. And, and uh, Cliff being a former NFL quarterback, you know, what what are they preparing to do? And how is this all going to mess with one another? Whether it be Pritchard, who was brought in by EB, uh, now Brian Johnson, who's a former quarterback and a quarterback's coach and former OC Kingsbury, who, you know, is now going to be the OC, but used to be the head coach. Like, and now you mentioned uh, Dan Rhea. I don't even remember. David Rhea. I think I could be wrong with that last name. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, like you bring in all these different personalities that also have an experience of playing the position or whatever. How is that all going to work? That's what I'm really curious about OC wise, because even you know, not really knowing Cliff like that, but I know his offense. Like, I know his offense from a collegiate level and pro level. Then we also got an in-depth look into his season. I know me and Maul talked about it a lot, that in-season with Cliff Kingsbury as the head coach for the Cardinals. You could just see 
how things are being managed with the staff and the players and how wore down he was, you just knew he was getting fired at the end of the season. And that's exactly what played out. So it's going to be interesting to see how he manages his time being full-time as offensive coordinator and if he's going to switch up some things offensively because at certain points of seasons, like, they would get rolling, but then it became very stagnant. There's not much motion in his offense. It's not much realignment of players within his offense. Like, take a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. He was staying on one side for for the entire season. He never really got moved around. Like, so it'll be interesting to see if that time of getting fired, you know, then being at UNC, if he's now able to um, utilize his office a bit better, the personnel, move things around and, and kind of switch up the, the flow and the tempo of what is supposed to be like an air raid uh, offense on the NFL side. Um, but that's that's the main person I'm, I'm kind of, you know, on the fence about. But I guess it also seems like a lot of these moves, too, have been predicated to lure in or if they can get this done to make one person in particular feel very comfortable and at ease. Yeah, a new quarterback. But also not um, not not new, not just any new quarterback. Not a new quarterback. But, uh, the one. He's some of the one. Oh, oh, <laughs> we'll talk about yeah, we'll talk about Caleb, man. <laughs> um y'all gonna y'all gonna be mad at me. But uh, I, I know I think, what you feel, Jamal. I already know what you want. <laughs> hey man, all I'm saying, is, well, we're gonna talk about it. Uh hey, so for me, uh and I guess we can kind of I'm going to be short with mine because I, I think we can talk about uh, the conversation about the quarterbacks coach, like a brief conversation. I mean, uh, previous quarterback experience, excuse me. Um, but one person that really stands out to me, um, I don't think it's like the the the, the more significant hire or like the the, out, the most outstanding or whatever. But John Pagano uh, stands out to me i think he was what's his title here uh senior defensive assistant right but all of his previous stops essentially center around linebackers um when he worked for vic fangio uh he was an outside linebackers coach um when he was with bill o'brien he was a senior defensive assistant uh but also in control of the outside linebackers when he's with marty Schottenheimer, assistant linebacker coach uh he was also a linebackers coach he was outside linebackers coach um, when he was with North Turner, defensive coordinator, he's also a linebackers coach. Um, Dale Rio, assistant head coach, uh, and then defense, right? Uh, for, excuse me, assistant head coach for the defense. Um, so like all of his experience, and even with um, uh, like some, some there's some some other other spots too uh, in his past as well. Uh, but point being, um, and the reason why linebackers are so important to having that experience in in a Pagano, right? That Pagano name defensively even chuck chuck and john like those are like valid names when you think about a defensive side of the football um and we look about we look at our linebacking position in washington knowing what we just <laughs> went through with ron uh i it was so bad like we know that and 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 the fact that we're still we're in year three year four of jamin davis and we're still waiting for him to like solidify himself as a star. Like we we see those moments here and there, but the fact that we only have really two linebackers that you can really like claim that that has something there, but they haven't really 
gotten it fully out of them yet. And that's Jamin Davis and Kalik Hudson. Like those guys have been around. And Kalik, I think, is I think his contract is up unless he's in his fourth year right now. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see how they view the linebackers in free agency as well as the draft. Um, because they're gonna have to upgrade that position. Um, but also uh the fact that Pagano's around and his voice and his influence and understanding the linebacker positions and his pedigree over the last 20 plus years in the game and on the pro level, um, I think is a really significant uh, thing for the second level of, of the defense. Also, Ken Norton Jr., former linebacker. Um, he was the linebackers coach for the Seahawks back in the day. Uh, D coordinator, him and Pagano uh, have worked together in the past. Uh, something else I think I've seen, they all, yeah, I, I even mentioned it here, like uh, Pagano, um, Ken Norton Jr., and Jack Del Rio all worked together with the Raiders. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like linebacker will be an emphasis for sure. I just don't know how they're going to go about it exactly. Uh, I don't really like the draft class of linebackers too much. There is someone in particular that I, I admire, uh, but it, his injury history is going to be uh, a detriment where he gets drafted, but he could be still Peyton Wilson linebacker out of North Carolina state is a dog, like sideline to sideline could play whatever you need at backer. So I love if they could pick him up, but yeah, this team desperately needs linebackers. Like even Jamin Davis, you got someone who possibly could be suspended for the first two to four games. So, and can can I chime in on that real quick? I was I was going to add to that. No, you're right about the whole linebacker thing. This is one of the things I've actually been kind of you know looking into. You know, looking back in Pagano and Ken Norton's background. I mean, these guys have coached studs, man. I mean, Pagano was there for Sean Merriman's prime. Like Sean Merriman had a hell of a prime, and that was Pagano as his you know direct coach. And then you got uh, Ken Norton Jr. He has guys like Bobby Wagner. He, he he oversaw the development of Bobby Wagner, Bruce Irvin, you know, those type of linebackers. So you got to, you know, imagine that these guys are going to come in, their value in the linebacker position. And like you said, I love the fact that they all worked together before. So that shows some kind of cohesion. But as far as addressing the linebacker position, the most important thing is this is where Adam Peters comes in. See, now we, we all thought that when Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio got hit, oh, man, we're going to have some beast linebackers. You know what I mean? These guys played linebacker. They understand the importance of the position. But the problem was, as we see now, they didn't have a guy that knew how to kind of identify those type of talents in the draft or go out there and get those guys. They didn't really have an idea what they wanted to do personnel-wise, and that really hurts. And that's where you kind of hope that a guy like Adam Peters, the reputation he has that he's grinded his teeth as a scout, he kind of identifies those guys that they are looking for. Like we, you heard it in a press conference, uh, Adam Peters with Dan Quinn. You know, he said, we're going to work in collaboration. I want to get the guys that fit him or fit this system, fit what we're trying to do, and we're going to do that together. So that's where Adam Peters comes in. You hope he can kind of find those guys. Like, I mean, you want to get those you know, nasty linebackers between the second and third rounds. I really think that's where you can find a lot of those guys at. Like some of the best linebackers you get in the league right now, they weren't drafted in the first round. You found some of those guys in the second or third round. So that's where you want to see Adam Peters, you know, earn his kind of stripes in a sense. Yeah, even uh, you look back at Dan Quinn's tenureship with Atlanta, they ended up getting a, a Foyer 
Foye Olu, uh, Olu Wakan, who's the right. middle linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars, sixth round. And he was with Atlanta. They drafted him sixth round. So, yeah, I think there'll definitely be emphasis on the linebacker position. So that that's a good one for sure, Ma. So let's talk oh, about but Mar, is nobody gonna talk about Bobby Johnson? I wanted to hear I thought one of y'all was gonna bring him up. <laughs> um that's I'm glad you said that because I was about to go to the, the quarterbacks coach conversation. Yeah, before we um, get there, I just wanted to get your opinion on yeah, that. Yeah, uh so look, here's my deal. Um with with Bobby and honestly a lot of people on this staff, right? Like I, I respect all the names and um I think AJ did a good job even calling out Cliff and like having questions for him. Um, I don't, I honestly do have the same skepticism about Cliff, uh, but you know, we'll just cross that bridge when we get there. But when it comes to offensive line, bro, like I think that is one of the more important position coaches that you can have on your team. Um, and, and Bobby Johnson's track record, here's one of the things that I, I'll just be, I'll just be playing with it. <laughs> it's so sketchy that they gotta know something that we don't know. That's, like, what, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that is is so but, sketchy. But what, what makes it sketchy though? Like I think that his track record. Um, but also like I know one thing, Buffalo. So all we know for, for the most part, um, he came from Buffalo, uh, and then he had a stint in New in New York, right? Uh, with the Giants, and I and all I know is New York had a ton of injuries for several years with Daniel Jones, right? It's not just one year, several years with Daniel Jones, and that really hurt these guys, let alone they never really had top-tier offensive linemen to begin with. He ain't in charge of signing no offensive linemen. He's just there to coach them, right? And then you think about Buffalo. Buffalo, for several years, relied on Josh Allen to, to do magic for, for their offense. They had some pieces, right? And they, But they just picked up some interior help uh, this year. Um, or this this past off season. So, like, again, offensive line coaches, they ain't necessarily making the, the decisions to hire and draft somebody. I don't know how much influence they have, but they're not making no decisions. they just there to coach. So I don't know exactly. That's why I'm like, it's skepticism because of the track record and where he came from, right? I don't think it's a stain, but I think that when you look at, like, his track record, it, it raises questions of concern, but I also don't think that, uh, when you look at it from a totality standpoint, um, you can only do but so much with what you have, especially at a position coach. Um, now, granted, if you think about Washington, I think there was a time I would even say, oh, Lord. Um, I think I want to say it was under Ron Rivera, like in 2020, where there was a bunch of injuries. If not, it was like a couple years before. I don't know. I think it was even Bill Callahan or something like that. They had a whole bunch of injuries on that offensive line. I want to say 2018, matter of fact. Um, and they were still holding their own. But you're talking about Bill Callahan being there. Like, right. that's kind of the makings of, like, that's all. That's a – if there's a Hall of Fame for a position coach, like, you know, that's the guy. Um, but see, that's the only – that's that, – I guess that's my issue. I ain't really touched on the Bobby Johnson thing. It's because, like, you seeing fans go berserk on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. It's like you don't even know this man or you don't even know yeah. anyone connected <laughs> to this man to know how he teaches the game of football in the position. It's different when you can come in and you can reference something besides just where that person worked. Like if you actually know individuals that have been coached under that person. But it's like I don't 
I don't know. I don't know the that, dude. You feel me? That's my main thing. Like, if you don't yeah. know him, like the only thing you can do is go off of what you've seen, right? Or, or what you know. But the only thing you really get to, and this is why I say this all the time and on this show, the only reason why you even get to understand somebody or even understand a unit is if you watch tape. Like, it's all you know. And and if you get an understanding their blocking scheme, then sure you have something to say. But even still, that's not going to help you know everything that they believe or what they're preaching, what they're teaching versus what the players are actually trying to execute on the field. Um, like I look at, for example, I had to watch uh there's a free agent on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line that's coming out, right? Um, I think he's solid, like he's he can compete, he's a fringe starter, he can compete for a starting job, like um, but you know, you don't want to sign him to big money. Um, but you get to look for six, seven games at their blocking scheme. And and that's what made me appreciate Baker Mayfield even more. The shit that he did with that offensive line, bro. Like their blocking scheme in, in the past game, like their run game was 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 weird. Like their block scheme was cool, but they didn't get any push off the line. Um, but like the way they pass protected, bro. The way that Baker Mayfield was able to navigate that pocket made him all the more impressive this season alone. Not, never mind his stats, like how he was able to survive back there, getting sacked 40 times and still produce. Like, that's incredible work. But to that point, position coaches, I don't know what they're going to do with that guy in Tampa Bay, but from what I looked at in five, six games, like, that ain't – that's not impressive. But what does that mean for a person in in – Buffalo or New York the last couple years, right? Who had to deal with bottom of the like no disrespect to the players, but like they were injured. Like there were so many people that weren't around. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done how do you get the how do you get a, a, an opinion out of that about who he is as a coach and what he wants to do if you don't know that man bro like yeah, I, I agree it's, it's it is sketchy that it, it's sketchy from that standpoint like I don't know exactly except for what his units produced but at yeah. the same time, I haven't watched anything in detail to, to say like he's bad or he's good. So, I don't know. So they have they have a reference point. They could go as Nick Gates, you know, who came from from under that umbrella with him. But like I said, I don't I don't know the dude. Like I tried I tried to uh I communicated with like there's a big like offensive line guy that coaches a lot of the guys coming out of the draft. Oh Duke uh, Mannyweather. Yeah, Duke. I reached out to Duke. Uh, didn't hear back from him. Try to see if we could get him on the show to maybe speak on Bobby Johnson. But outside of Bill Callahan, how many people really know offensive line coaches in the league, bro? Like, do you know right. the offensive line coach for the 49ers or the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, the Houston Texans? Like, outside of Bill Callahan, and we really only know him because he was a head coach at Nebraska back in the day. And he's also been an NFL head coach. Outside of that, you would never know who any of these offensive line coaches are. Uh, you just hope for the best. And, <laughs> you know, you see how it plays out. But 
I mean, I don't know much about the guy to to provide commentary on him. I just think that it's unfair or kind of crazy to see people going off like, oh, my God, the New York Giants, he coached the New York Giants. That means he can't be good. Like, that's not how that's not how this works. Just because you even came from if even if you came from a winning culture doesn't automatically guarantee you success as a coach. I mean, even while we're doing this show live in this comments, there's a conversation being had about Eric Bieniemy in the comments for the last 30 minutes, and we never have mentioned his name in this episode. You feel me? So it's like none of that guarantees you success. Uh, by the way, the the Chiefs ran Eric Bieniemy's play corn dog to win the Super Bowl. In case anyone was wondering, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you he just you it. just really don't know. Like, <laughs> You just really don't know. So I just would say, like, just stand pat on that. The the kind of things that you can reference to and you have a lot of footage to go based off of, even if you're just a, a, a average fan, you can go and look at Kif, uh, Cliff Kingsbury offense with the Arizona Cardinals. You can go and see the same thing that Joe Witt is going to be running in Dan Quinn's defense. Like, you can reference those points. Outside of that, everything else is really a toss-up for the average fan. Hey, look. Let me let me just add to this uh, to close yeah. this part off. Um, fans have such a vague perception of what they think a position coach is. They think they can tell you how good a position coach is by just looking up. Oh, did they give up this amount of yards or this amount of sacks or whatever? Oh, yeah, that guy's bad. That's the coach. You know, it's no contest because if we had just hired Bobby Johnson fresh off of his Buffalo tenure. None of this conversation will be had. We'll be like, okay, this guy was up there with Josh Allen. You know, he didn't get sacked much. You probably wouldn't even know how much to attribute to, you know, Bobby Johnson or Josh Allen at that time, you know, because Josh Allen was, I mean, he still is a tough-ass quarterback to bring it, bring down. So quarterback position matters. Like, quarterback matters. We've seen that this year in Washington as far as sacks being taken. Like, if you look up the advanced metrics – Washington's offensive line probably grades out around average or maybe slightly below average in terms of ranking amongst the league. But if you watch the games with the raw eye, you're going to say, oh, that, that offensive line's horrible because they gave up so many sacks. But you don't realize that the quarterback plays a position in those sacks. The Giants, not only did they have a lot of offensive line injuries, they had a lot of quarterback injuries. They went through three or four quarterbacks this year alone. So, I mean, that plays a factor in how sacks are accumulated and everything. But when people just go look at the raw numbers, they're going to say, hey, that was on the position coach. That guy must be trash. Those guys aren't blocking. So there's no context or nuance with it because, as I said, after his Buffalo tenure, you probably had not – even Giants fans probably had not much of an opinion on Bobby Johnson. They probably even felt good about him. Like, oh, man, Dable's bringing him with him from Buffalo. Man, we're good. But now you see, oh, man, after everything that happened to the Giants, you're looking for scapegoats. You're looking for people to blame. So, obviously, especially in Dable's position, he has to make a move. You know, I mean, you look at it and you say, all right, man, we've been sacked 85 times or whatever amount of times we've been sacked this year. I got to probably make it a move, you know, because I'm probably not too far off the hot seat myself. So I got to make it a move or a scapegoat to appease the fans or whatever the case may be. You got to throw somebody a bone. But, I mean, it's just the fans' perception of it. The fans' perception of everything is so vague. They think they can just look at raw numbers. I mean, again, I don't know what to make of Bobby Johnson. I went and looked at him. I mean, I checked him out as far as, like, just to hear him talk and speak. Now, this guy, I said the guy from, what, David Rye, uh, I said that he wasn't that sharp of a communicator or that, you know, fluent with his speaking. 
But Bobby Johnson is a hell of a speaker. Now, I don't know how that, you know, translates to teaching or anything, but he 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 knows what he's doing. He's teaching his techniques, and he he seems like he's always looking for something new. And he hasn't just coached the offensive line. I mean, he uh, Buffalo and uh, New York. The guy played offensive line in college football. I mean, he's coached offensive line at the college level. He's actually developed NFL prospects at the college level. So you got to figure the guy kind of can coach a bit, you know, you know what I mean? But as fans, they're only going to look at, you know, what did you do last? And if you were a part of this horrible unit, you must be horrible too. And I just think that's such a, you know, flawed way of looking at things as far as a position coach goes. Hey, TG. TG. OG Bobby Johnson. OG Bobby Johnson. <laughs> hey TG, TGW, bro. You I have the I, I don't know. Like my patience level was incredible. Cause Drake, I was getting attacked. I felt like the whole DC was getting attacked by TGW in the chat for no reason, man. Hey, listen, he said, he said, <laughs> he said Washington fans aren't bright to be fair. They like go-go music and mumble sauce. You can't take anything they say seriously. I don't think we asked for that, brother. Come on, bro. Hey, hey, you we ain't asked for that. Now. Hey, we talking about that, football. That, you disrespecting that, our We ain't asked for that, bro. <laughs> and AJ not including this because he don't like go-go. So anything hey, he got to say, he going to be muted. Matter of fact, try it. Say something. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> 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 but no, nah, man, watch yourself, man. Watch yourself, bro. DC hey, here, bro. PG County, DC, proud. all that stuff, we, 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 we proud of where we from, man. We yeah. love our city. You know what I'm saying? I almost <laughs> went crazy while Dre was talking. I had to keep myself <laughs> under control. Bro. I ain't even see it, bro. I would have got distracted. Yeah, I saw I it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hey, nah, let's go. Uh, so look, where we at? Um, let's get let's get a quick a quick like yes or no ish with this one, and then we get to the quarterback thing. Um, you mentioned Dre, uh, Kingsbury, Brian Johnson, Tavita Pritchard, David Rye. Um, is there too many cooks in the kitchen or is this helpful for young quarterbacks development? Uh, is it too many cooks or is it helpful? Let's get like a one sentence takeaway with this one. Uh, let's start with, I mean, shoot, Dre, you got the, you asked the question, what you, what, what say you? Oh man. One sentence. That's a lot of pressure. Uh, I guess I'm going to go with, um, there's pros and cons. That's my sentence. I mean, there's pros and cons to this. I mean, you can elaborate on that. Yeah. 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 I, I just say, I mean, you know, there's pros in a sense, especially with AJ mentioned, you know, as far as following Cliff Kingsbury's offense, there's concerns about the offense, you know, what he can do at this level, uh, at the NFL level. Now, you know, the guy, a lot, you got a lot of guys with NFL experience. Maybe they can help him, you know, as far as, you know, kind of advancing some of these methods that he has with the air raid office to kind of bring them up to speed in the NFL. You know, maybe, maybe they could have him look at different angles. But then the cons aspect of it is, how many of these guys really know what you want to run? And, you know, is it going to kind of uh, affect this in a negative way and assist because you may be the only guy that knows what you really want to run and no one else is on the same page with you. So that's, you know, a brief little generalization of some of the cons that can go into that. Um, I'll say uh, it, it's, I mean, it's a pro. Um, I think it's important to note, like when you think about positions, right. Um, you know, sometimes like these, these, uh, backgrounds with quarterbacks indirectly helps other positions. Um, and where are these, where are these guys at? Uh, you got Tavita, who's already a quarterbacks coach, Brian Johnson. We don't know exactly what his role is yet. It's not defined, but Kingsbury and then David Ryan, who's tight ends, right? He's tight ends. David is, 
Um, yeah. Like when you think about these position coaches, like think about it from a mind of a quarterback and how they can translate that or or, or communicate that to a, a skill position. Um, you know, it may not all be centered in the new quarterback, right? But it all it can it can be centered in in understanding. And then even if you define Brian Johnson's role, right? Like he's going to be communicating to all the skill positions. So how do you how do you allow this person to influence you in terms of now I get to think uh, like this quarterback, uh, like our quarterback in our system, and then like I can make this particular decision because I understand more in detail what we want out of this offense, what we want out of the specific play, what we want out of the specific coverage, and where I'm supposed to be on a specific route, depth, everything, detail, detail, details, like down to the point in which the receiver or the tight end is thinking, even a running back is thinking exactly what the quarterback may be thinking, and now we're all on the same page. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you said you said one sentence. I would say just wait, wait and see. I mean, that's all all you really can do. Like a lot of these guys haven't worked together before, and uh, they all have different experiences and different offensive schemes, different players that they work with, personalities where they mesh together well as a coaching staff on on that side. But also, collaboration is key to everything. You feel me? Like. You also got to have that that working rapport with one another. Like, I mean, look at us. Like, we we came together to do this show on Tuesdays, Trapper Dive. We never met each other before. <laughs> um, we had, you know, a couple, couple friends mutually that knew each other. But we've been able to garner not just a relationship from the football aspect, but just life in general. And look, look where we are. Like, someone put us not someone put us together but we kind of put ourselves together just based off of mutual connections and we're pretty much doing a, a pretty damn successful job at pulling off these episodes and you would think that we've been knowing each other for a decade plus like so it's all about that cohesion and and just how you could gel together and that's why I just say wait and see approach um because that's that's really all you can do with these things you don't typically always want to have a group of people that all know each other because pretty much they're yes men. They're never really going to sway from that overall person's uh, position. You want people that will challenge you. And this is one of the great opportunities to be in a space of people that will challenge your direction and, and what, what you're trying to do. And maybe that's something that Cliff didn't have as a head coach in his tenureship with the, the Cardinals. Like the only person really over there in his staffs that was, like overall, like been around the block was Vance Joseph, but outside of that, you know, he ain't really have he ain't really have like guys that he could really probably bounce those ideas off of because you really haven't seen anyone go on from his staff to get you know higher opportunities or whatever in the NFL ranks or even the collegiate ranks. So this could be great for all parties involved. They can learn from one another. And uh, just wait and see as Washington will be drafting the quarterback in the first round. Schlizo, what's up with you, player? Long time no speak, bro. What's up, baby? Good, though, man. Um, All right, let's get into it, bro. We say the best for last, man. We say the best for last. Everybody in the chat, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube. I know Facebook probably like a a ghost town over there, but we still going to stream anyway because we can um <laughs> uh where am i at 
Um, Bears want per per Ian Rappaport, um, Bears want a historic historical haul for their number one pick. Um, for anyone to trade up there. Uh and uh, for Washington fans, obviously Washington sits at number two. Um, in order to, to 100% secure Caleb Williams, you obviously have to move up. You have to be part of the game. Um, everybody in the chat, everybody that's watching, if you want to be a part of the conversation, let us know your thoughts. Would you be willing to move? Excuse me. Is this the, was this the, what would you be willing to part moving? How much, <laughs> what, I, this question is just What are you reading? <laughs> That's what I'm looking at. I'm AJ at, wrote up in that I'm, I'm about to say this all just fucked me up. All right. Hey, 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 all right. <laughs> what, what would yeah. you would you could you do you? Yeah, yeah. AJ, you you pose a question, bro. You just you, it, it fucked me up, bro. What, what was so the question? Essentially, <laughs> essentially is what would you be willing to part with to move up to Bears number one spot, or would you be perfectly fine with staying pat at number two overall in the draft? Boom, there you go. Um, so, all right, so that's for me to answer that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. AJ, you got the floor first since you uh look at not use your wait, words, wait, man. I'm the fall, I'm the fall guy here. I'm the fall guy. He was like, boy, man, when I challenge you to read AFS, AFS, from a Harry Potter book. Hey man, that's crazy. But yeah, you got the floor first, bro. For me, man. Uh, if I feel like Caleb Williams is my guy, man, I'm willing to move whatever to go get that guy. Uh, we just watched the Super Bowl where Kansas City Chiefs, they made a move to go, I want to say, from 27 to 10 to go get their guy and Patrick Mahomes. There's no qualms about that. Um, when you're also trading these picks, you're already looking at drafts ahead. Like you're, You already know what's going on for the 2025 class and 2026 so you're not your scouting department is not just focusing on one year of draft class like you have an idea of these assets that you would like to keep for the following season so you gotta you already got a scope of the talent that's coming into next year i would be perfectly fine with doing whatever i need to do to go get Caleb williams i think that this the way the staff has been built out shows you that they're trying to invest highly in the education of a quarterback uh, whether that be on the field and off the field. Um, yeah, I feel like the top-tier dog is Caleb Williams, and there's a gap between him and Jaden Dales. Now, if if you plan on staying pat and number two is Drake May, y'all might as well just pack me up. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's a, that's a miss already if you take Drake May at number two. So for me, I'm just hoping that they do the right thing and go and get the guy that they really want, ultimately, whoever that is. If it is Drake May, I will disagree with that move over Jaden Daniels if Caleb Williams is the number one pick. But I think that the best quarterback in this draft is Caleb Williams. And if I were Washington, I'd do whatever to connect the dots, not only from a on-the-field aspect, but even from a marketing standpoint, off the field, bringing all the connections, um, even – I seen something before we started the show. Ben Standing posted a tweet. Bobby Ingram's son is pretty much best friends with Caleb Williams. They played together at Gonzaga. <laughs> it's like all these connections is just like, it, it's a bit OD at this rate. But we'll find out in two weeks. The combine is in two weeks. That's when 
these ownership groups and teams will finally be able to sit down with these top players. Uh, unlike the senior bowl, these top quarterbacks weren't at the senior bowl. Uh, they'll be able to get a, a glimpse into their personality and, and those things. And that's when we'll probably hear of a trade happen as March 2nd is the day that the quarterbacks work out. I don't expect Kayla Williams to work out. I really don't expect May or Jaden Daniels to work out. Um, ran into, ran into Jaden Daniels over the weekend, uh, at Super Bowl. That boy's skinny as hell. Um, <laughs> skinny as hell. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think that if you truly want to go get your quarterback, and that's not just even for Washington, that's for any team that's in the hunt. Cause it's not just Washington that wants a quarterback. If you're the, if you're the Raiders, you want a quarterback. If you're the Falcons, you're the Vikings, whoever, if you have the assets and the means to do so, to go get the quarterback that you truly want for your team, go and make that move. It is worth the gamble. Even if you don't hit on it, at least you could say that you tried and you went out your way instead of settling. Uh, right before you go right quick, Jerry, uh, just a, a quarterback news update um, from that 2021, 2020, 2022 uh, draft class. Uh, the Sam UFL's, Hall, yes, the UFL's Birmingham Stallions have signed former Panthers quarterback Matt Corral. <laughs> um, that man not even in the wow. league no more. Yeah. Wow. Then, um, remember, remember, we was having conversations about Matt Corral. We was texting about him during his bowl game. You know, he was still at uh, Ole Miss. We was bruh, talking about I, him. <laughs> I said, I, I said, I really liked him. And then I started watching the tape, and I told you, I said, Yeah, nah, he ain't it. <laughs> I said, Right. I, I was like, Yeah, this ain't it, bro. My bad. <laughs> My bad. Though. I didn't like him either. I didn't like yeah, him either. Yeah, it, just, yeah. it took me yeah. to watch a couple games. And I said, but it, yeah, but never mind. But it's like sometimes teams feel forced to take quarterbacks because they need one so bad. And some guys get, you know, talked about in certain ways. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great year to go get a quarterback. It's a great year to have to go get a quarterback because you got options and variations of, of so many different guys, whether it be, you know, the Michael Penix, the JJ McCarthy's, the Bo Nix, um, even Joe Milton. Feel like Joe Milton can can ball like he got the best arm in the whole draft. Honestly, it's just the other intangibles. You feel me? But somebody might luck up on a, a guy in Joe Milton who can who can do everything and, and has an amazing arm. Just got some some issues with you know being inaccurate at times. But yeah, it's it's a great draft next year. It, the the quarterback class is not too impressive. But, um, yeah, I would definitely do whatever I need to do to go get my quarterback or whatever player it is I believe in. Last year we seen uh, the Panthers do so in uh, Bryce Young. But we also seen the the Texans go get C.J. Stroud at two. But also we're like, oh, we need a Will Anderson and moved up to go get Will Anderson at three. They took two and three in the draft, like, you got to be aggressive to get what you want in life in general, but especially in this draft. Like, if you see something you like there, man, go go call your shots. What's yeah, you know, Texas – I about to say the Texans also had the luxury of accumulating all those draft picks after the Deshaun Watson trade to kind of, you know, move up and get Will Anderson at three after they took Stroud at two. 
But, I mean, honestly, I think the Bears are trying to create some kind of leverage here. I think they they realize they don't really have that much leverage because when you're sitting at that number one pick, you don't want to go too far back down. Like, no one with the number one pick wants to go too far down. Now, if you have a team sitting right behind you at number two that really loves a guy and they're right there, I think it's it's not going to take a historical haul. It, it should be something fair. Now, if the Bears really love Caleb Williams, if they love Caleb Williams, it would take a historical haul, which means they're going to draft him. They're not going to they're not going to trade back. They're going to take the guy that they love. But if they don't love the guy, then they're going to have to take fair compensation for him, especially if they don't want to move back too far. So if I'm Washington, I mean, obviously you got to have that conversation with the whole group. You know, I definitely feel like Cliff Kingsbury would probably have that bias towards Caleb. He just worked with him. He's seen him every day. I would defer to Cliff, honestly, because Cliff Cliff was the guy that was in-house with him. And uh, Cliff also, I think, uh, could be wrong here, but I think he had an interview with the Bears. So the Bears obviously talked to him, too, because maybe they want to gauge him for information on Caleb Williams as well. Bears ultimately didn't hire Cliff, but we did. So that kind of makes me feel like maybe they do love Caleb. And if you do love him, you'll go up there and get him. But there has to be a limit because the question is you have to have this conversation amongst the group as well with everyone. How big of a gap is it between Caleb and Jaden uh, Daniels or you know Drake may, you know, hypothetically speaking, and that's a guy that they like. Is the gap that significant that I want to give up capital to go up and get the guy? Now, if they don't feel like that gap is that significant, you stay there and you just let Chicago do whatever they will do. And you say, hey, I'm taking the other guy that I love. So, I mean, that's that's just a conversation they'll have to have amongst themselves. I mean, me personally, I like Caleb and I have him as my number one quarterback in this draft. But there is a limit to what I would give up to go up there and get him. Personally, I know you asked this question, AJ. I actually give you what I would give up. I would go number two, obviously. The number two pick, you go up with that. I would offer th- two, the, both of the third-round picks this year and second next year. That's it. I'm not giving up a, a multiple firsts. I'm not giving up one of my two seconds this year. <laughs> I'll give up two thirds in a second and a first round issue. I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, if they don't, if they don't love Caleb, they'll take that. That's that's hell of a conversation. You fucked up, Dre. I mean, fuck, I, mean I think I, I don't. Hold on one second. I, I gotta make sure I get this off because I, I I forgot it when he was talking, and then I just remembered it because he said it again. Dre, you fucked up, bro. You said what's that? You said uh, it's only fair. This ain't what you said verbatim, but you essentially said it's fair. It's only fair that, uh, you know, um, to move one spot back, you know, Chicago. Uh, matter of fact, I, I don't even want to misquote you as I get my arguments. I know what you said, but you said it's only essentially only fair that um, Washington moves up one spot and Chicago moves trades down one one spot back. Um, and And, you know, it doesn't. It, it wouldn't take a historical haul, right? Like that's that's all. Okay, right. no, that's what I said. The basis of that is to assume that we're going to make this trade in good faith, knowing that there are a thousand sites game, a thousand other teams out there who wants to move up to that number one spot. Correct. Whatever Washington does to move up to number one. Is not going to benefit Washington at anything. It's going to benefit Chicago. They have the power to move back, move out of that number one spot. So no matter, yeah. So no matter how how no matter how much we give them, it's not going to be looked at as 
you know what? I think I think we both work things out on both sides. I think no matter what, there's going to be a slight advantage, whether it's large or slight, don't matter. But there's going to be some advantage in the favor of Chicago because of how much oh, and how many agreed. offers they'll get from other teams. And I, I think that's what we talked about in the group chat, AJ and Dre. I think the battle for Washington is not necessarily, not anymore. It's not about I'm going to move up to Chicago and we'll just work this thing out one and two, right? It's like how much do, does Chicago value the picks of uh, the number I'm, I'm gonna just name slots because I don't know I don't have the draft order in my head. So how much do they value the the number six team that's gonna offer them some picks and and some players? Uh, the number eight team that's gonna offer them some picks and some players, right? Uh, and 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 the number ten or the number twelve, like how much do they have to offer me? Because that's who Washington's competing with. They're not competing. They're not trying to make this trade with Chicago and say, okay, cool, like this is a done deal, like it's simple as that. Chicago's gonna have to say. If I trade with Washington, I know that they're going to take Caleb at number one, right? So if I trade back with Washington, that means all the leverage that I have for Caleb Williams, now I can trade back again if I want to, but these teams really wanted Caleb, and now Caleb's off the board. So I can collect some more assets. I can collect some more picks. I can collect some more players if I move out of number two. But how much would I have gotten if I stayed at number one and gave that team who wanted to move up to number one? How much would I have gotten? So for me, so, when you say when you say fair, I'm like you already fucked up because Watson's going to lose. And no, and that's it's, that's something. I mean, no, yeah, no I'm, trade, no trade yeah. is going to ever be fair. But the Bears no, right. in the perfect position to be able to acquire Washington's pick players and future assets, and still be able to sit at two and move back to acquire right. another first-round pick so they could leave the draft with three first-round picks of the 2004 draft, I mean, 2024 draft, it's it's really it's really all based on Washington providing the best offer to them but that's, because, that's as Dre said, they don't want to – they, they don't want to. They don't want to fall that far back. That's my point. Where maybe yeah. on a neighbor. But, but that's that's what I'm adding to. That's that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's it's that's my point too. Washington can't fuck around. Like they're competing with the other teams. Like there's not. It's just not that simple. Like Chicago has decision to make, but Washington can't come around with no bullshit just because they're number See, two. Ma, that number two pick is so much more valuable than the number five or number six pick. Like that that number two pick, we could probably, if someone wanted to come up to number two with us, we could probably take about two first round picks off of someone alone. But that's how premium that number two pick is. And when I say fair, I meant kind of fair to Washington in the sense that they're not going to be giving up something historical. Historical is not, wouldn't, wouldn't that be good at all? I say fair I don't see in the sense that, too. yeah, I don't see, I don't see that, but I say fair in the sense that Washington's going up and they're not crippling themselves as far as assets that they're giving up. You know, you're giving up two thirds, you're keeping your second, but you're getting the player that you love the most in this draft. And that's fair. If you're not giving up crippling assets. I think there is one thing that we have to take into account too. While I agree that I don't think it's going to be historical. I think we, people not us three but we we people are severely underestimating the actual offer that it take to move up to number one i i do think that it's gonna be like damn because it's it's look it's caleb williams bro like the prospect that everybody has touted as this unified number one quarterback out here 
um, like majority has, has has said was their their number one quarterback out here. Like, and 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 the comparison that people continue to make to Patrick Mahomes, like who the, who the hell gonna miss out? Who who gonna who gonna want miss out on that if you need a quarterback this year? Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. And to answer the question directly, bro, like, um, I'm not giving up a historical hall for him. I can't do that. Um, and I, I don't have an example in my head in terms of like how much I would give for, for it to move up to number one. Um, I, I don't have that picture in my head, but for me, man, um, I, I would tell you this, bro, uh, where I think Caleb Williams already lost, um, as a prospect is not even his fault. It's just the nature of this game, bro. Who, like, I even had this conversation with people on Twitter today. Who in their right mind started comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, bro? Like, that's where that's where everything went left. Like, we've seen Patrick Mahomes play for five, six years now, bro. He is one of one. There is nobody ever in this game going to play to the level of Patrick Mahomes, right? And I say that from a winning standpoint, I say that from a mentality standpoint, like that makeup and that build, bro, like those aren't clones. Like Tom Brady is one of one. Peyton Manning, one of one. Uh, Same thing with with Pat Mahomes in in, in today's era, right? He was the one who went back, back and forth, neck and neck, uh, with with Pat uh, with Tom Brady, he was the only one who came close. And yes, he lost, but he came close. And, and I think like those are the only two. That's the only person that could really compete with him in today's in today's age. Um, and I and I say that to say, when you put all that pressure on Caleb Williams, right? And 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 you sit here and say that this guy, um, now everybody hasn't done this, but you make those comparisons to Pat Mahomes, bro, um, just because. He has so many different throw angles, like arm arm angles and, and off platform throws that are incredible. Um, and, and the way he can uh, the arm slots, like the way he can release a football and still be on the money, like that's all impressive, bro. But that that only is part of the game. That, that doesn't show you every single thing uh, that that makes up a quarterback and that makes up a winner, right? Like, sure, he's a talented quarterback. And for me, and what I'm saying is. I'm not giving up to I'm not against trading up. If you trade up to get Caleb Williams, I again it ain't even my decision, right? This is just all our, all our, all of our opinions. So if they trade up, cool. Like what's done is done. But for me personally, bro, like I'm gonna make my offer, but I'm not about to bet the farm on things where like we're saying we see a clone or we see somebody whose semblance is one of the best quarterbacks out here in the game. There's always one-on-one, one of one. And the league reminds us time and again of what these like one of ones look like, bro. And and I'm not about to fall for the trap. Um, and that's not saying Caleb is a bad quarterback. He can probably be a top ten, but I'm not gonna fall for the trap, bro. I would rather go ahead and keep building my team up. I'll take Jaden at two before I fucking bet the farm and and bet and bet my right wrist and my my so, left so foot. So well, Caleb actually- Williams, bro. But I, 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 y'all, AJ, small hey, real quick. I'm really surprised anything, by your response, bro, because you're a gambler, no, so it's like. But see, AJ, I want to know if he's going to take. What, 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 is there any scenario in which you would trade up for Caleb Williams, Maul? No, that's why I said. Anything. I said. I yeah. remember. I, I said. I, I. Well, 
Um, I, I would I would definitely be interested in trading up, but there's a there's a cap. I was just saying I can't give a scenario, like I can't give gotcha. a real live example currently, right now. Like, what's my limit? Maybe I give up I give up uh uh a first and a second. Um if they want a player uh in 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 replacement of a second round pick, I may I'll consider that too. Um, but I'm not giving up three, four, three, four draft picks for, for Caleb, bro. I'm not doing that. I'm not giving up three, four draft picks in a player for Caleb. I'm not doing that, bro. Like I'm capped off. And, and that's kind of, that's kind of where I am, bro. And, and, and like I said, I, I said before we even got into this conversation, I said, people may be mad at me and I'm cool with that. Like, but I, I, over the past few days, bro. And even after that Super Bowl, bro, and, and Pat Mahomes Super Bowl run, like who are you going to sit here and, and, and tell me, bro? Like the process, the the shit that he got going on in his head, bro. Like the forward thinking, staying composed at all times, bro. Like you can't expect that in other plays until you see it play out. So why would I bank on something based on somebody who's been in the league for six years, bro? Like I can't do that. And and I'm saying I, I said this and I mean this. I said this a couple weeks ago. I said I would I would for sure um I would rather see. Uh, a top top end prospect come in Washington come into Washington and fail rather than pass on them and see them succeed and be a superstar elsewhere. I I that can apply to Jaden Williams, Jaden, Jaden Daniels too, bro. Like I'm in this, it's the same boat. I would rather take take Jaden and if and, and if Caleb fits in that boat from a trade standpoint, trading up to moving up number one, cool. But I'm I'm the person like that doesn't it doesn't apply to just one person. Applies to a couple yeah. people. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the draft in general. Like, it's it's all a crapshoot. You feel me? Like, even the year that Mahomes came out, most of us felt like the number one quarterback out of that entire class was Deshaun Watson, because yes. what we seen him do at 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 uh, Clemson or yes. whatever. Not not one time was anyone arguing that Patrick Mahomes should be like the consensus number one or even number two guy. Um, the the beauty of what Patrick Mahomes has done is there was nobody that you could necessarily compare him to at that time to where he's at now, fast forward five, six years. With Caleb Williams, you now can bring that into comparison because they look similar in throwing angles, whatever, even from a competitive nature, like the things that Caleb Williams did high school level, like pushing Gonzaga to a a championship in the area. You feel me? Like Gonzaga's never been a, a good high school football school. Like they never been top dogs. That that man willed that team to a state championship off of Hail Mary. Like, so it's just when you add in the fact that Washington also possesses a number two pick to bring a hometown kid possibly back home or whatever, and the traits, the traits separate him far uh, further ahead than a Jaden Daniels and a Drake May. It's like you have to you have to look into it. And possibly pull the trigger on on getting that. It's unfortunate that we live in a time where guys are going to get compared, no matter what, no matter what sport it is. We're we're seeing Victor Wimbanyama get compared to people. Um, you're now seeing Anthony Edwards, who was the number one pick, get compared to Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Like, it's it's just going to happen. That's what comes with it. It's just that you hope that you build the right synergy and put them in put them in the right situation to succeed. And also if you are a guy like Caleb Williams, 
making sure that you get in the right situation to succeed because Patrick Mahomes isn't Patrick Mahomes if he goes to another team outside of Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. If Patrick Mahomes ultimately gets drafted number two by the Chicago Bears, we're probably talking about him like Matt Corral right now. Like, not saying that Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the talent, but the situation has never been stabilized over there to push a quarterback of that nature to the next level. The Bears have never had a franchise quarterback. You feel me? Like, never. They've never had a franchise quarterback. So even take a Jamarcus Russell, like, all these situations matter. That's why people have been speculating that Caleb doesn't necessarily want to be in Chicago, whatever the case is. Like, he'd rather play elsewhere. Situations matter. But Andy Reid and that marriage between him and Patrick Mahomes has pushed him to uh, an elite level to where he's now already considered under the age of 30 to be the greatest quarterback of all time. And coming out of Texas Tech, many would say the air raid system doesn't translate to the NFL. Like he's they there were so many knocks and now everyone is trying to go get the next Patrick Mahomes. Funny how it works, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. just like it's an unfair thing. It's the unfair thing for um it's the unfair thing for Caleb Williams to have to deal with. But some people are built for that. And I feel like he's built for it. It's just more so let's see if if Washington feels the same way when they sit down with him, they have those conversations. And they feel like, hey, we got our guy, but I'd rather go for whatever it is I want than to sit back and, and try to settle on, you know, in this particular situation, a quarterback of Jaden Daniels or a Drake May and be concerned about, oh, I need to build up the rest of my team. Like, I ideally feel like Chicago's going to move off the number one pick. And if Washington is to get the deal done, it will be swap the swap of the second round pick it will be a future first-round pick, 2025, and it will probably inclu- include their their second-round pick, which I believe is – it should be like 34. Something like that. I, and, I do want to be clear, though, to your and, point, And though, I think Jonathan Allen would be a part of the trade. I, I want to be – to your point, though, um, I think two things. One, um, I, I don't – I don't think so. My my decision isn't based on like focusing on like building up the rest of the team. Uh, pers- personally, I know you wasn't like, just talking to me, but personally, like my idea isn't like about building up the rest of the team and and, and reserving draft picks. But I think like cost in in the league, like sometimes when you overpay, bro, like those things don't really amount to nothing. And and I think that's kind of the most important thing. And it's not about just like factoring in recent history. It's just like understanding the game, like. You, you have to understand, like, when you go all in on something, uh, sure, it may take a lot. Like, I think even to one point, uh, non-quarterback side, like, the, the Falcons gave up a lot to get you. Oh, my God. Julio Jones. Um, they gave up plenty. I think they had to trade up to get him. Um, and I think there's some other trade-up for, for skill positions where uh, they gave up some, but it wasn't, like, a, a huge ransom. Uh, but they, they did what it took to get a skill position, and it worked out in their favor, right? Um, but, but to that point, like it's just capped off, like, and then that's kind of where I'm at. And, it, and it's not about, uh, reserving pitches. Like, this is what I got. If you don't like it, cool. I'll keep it pushing and, and staying pat in that and understanding that you have a structure in place for any of your top three guys, top three quarterbacks to succeed in Washington. I think that's the most important thing, like the structure and, and, and why we mentioned those quarterback positions, those former quarterback, uh, experiences. That's that's why this is important is because you can get any of these three 
even though you may have a preference, but all three can work because you have an environment that's going to be able to let these guys succeed. Um, and then the second thing, let me close out if anybody got any last thoughts on the conversation. Second thing is fit in an environment matters. And I think I'm I'm really glad that AJ brought that up. Uh, Pat Mahomes being with Andy Reid was probably the best thing that happened to him. And he sat for a year. He played, he went, he sat on, he sat for like 16 games, played that 17th game in, uh, on the road against Denver. Um, and, and, and that was his one experience, uh, in his rookie season before he took over in 2018 for, uh, in place of Alex Smith. And I think environment matters, coach instruction matters, uh, and, and being able to learn, um, in, in real time, but also learn in practice and also learn so many different nuances of the game. Right. Like, I think all of that matters. And and for Washington, I'm not saying that they don't have a, a, a solid structure because we don't know. We don't know at all. But I think that's one of the best things when you realize uh, you're playing, you're playing along with one of the great in, greatest coaches of all time. And you got that tutelage from him. Um, and I think that's important, too. We got any last thoughts on the QB? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I feel pretty confident. And, your mic, your mic is muffled. I don't know. Um, can, you, can you hear me? You good now? Yeah, I said I, I feel pretty confident that uh, Chicago is going to move off the pick. Will it be Washington? Don't know. Um, but a lot of those conversations will start taking place in two weeks. I'm excited about, you know, what happens during this combine period. Uh, I think you'll learn a lot about player movements, whether it be in free agency and also draft-wise, because uh, I think that Washington also needs to figure out if they are going to move up to number – because, like, them moving from number two to number one to get Kayla Williams also changes how they will be able to lure in free agents as well because there's guys in the free agent market that are going to be hoping for the chance to play with a led team of uh, by Kayla Williams at quarterback. All right. That'll do it, man. Um, we had one more thing we was gonna talk about. We can spin the block next week because um I think this was a really good episode. We had a good conversation about everything we need to know about these coaches and quarterback. But that ain't we ain't done with quarterback, man. We're gonna be having some of these same conversations over these past few weeks, man, or these next few weeks, especially when we start having some guests on. Um, so stay tuned for those. Uh, we're gonna try and get somebody on from the uh, draft network. He was a previous guest before Keith Sanchez. Try to spend the block with him. Uh, probably try and get a first time ever get a head coach on this thing. Um, so we're gonna try and we're gonna try and get that taken care of soon. Uh, and probably get a couple of former players on as well. Uh, that that coached under Dan Quinn. So we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Don't want to, um, you know, do too much because I hate I hate jumping the gun. Uh, but I'll just leave it there. We'll get the work done on the back end. Uh, but fingers crossed, we get all that done. Um, wish us luck. Dre, AJ, man, y'all take care. Uh, we'll we'll tap in during the week. Uh, everybody else out there, y'all be safe. Appreciate everybody who tapped in live. Make sure you hit that like button, subscribe button if you haven't done so. We'll be up out of here, man. Enjoy your day, enjoy your weekend, all that good stuff. Peace. Damn, set, huh? Watch him throw the ball. We gon' pick it off. You gon' let him hit the hole, or you gon' cut it off. You gon' play through fourth and long, or you gon' punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on. Keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trap or Dive.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.